Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. I am so excited for the release of my new book, The Toxin Terminator, Finding Focus, Energy, and Renewed Health by Removing Hidden Toxins. If you want to get your hands on the book first, be part of my pre-launch campaign by going to my website, www.aimeecarlson.com. That's amycarlson.com and you can sign up so you'll get your copy for only 99 cents. And welcome back to the show, everybody. We're so excited to have you here today. Let me tell you, my next guest has got quite the story. She is a prior OBGYN. So one of the things she used to be delivering babies, and now she is delivering exceptional health health and wellness to women. I love, love, love that. She really is um, in the anti-aging space. She is fellowship trained in metabolic and functional medicine. She is the author of Cracking the Bikini Code. Now, this is going to be a great one leading into summertime, isn't it? There's six secrets to permanent weight loss success. She has a virtual boot camp. She's been a featured guest on numerous podcasts. She's also been on NBC, Fox, Reader's Digest. She's had articles in Huffington Post, First for Women, and Best Self magazines. She is also a podcast host of the Brilliant Health Radio podcast, so you will need to make sure you go check that out, and also the host of a YouTube series called The Menopause Boss, and is that still active? Yeah, I have videos for all women, not just menopausal. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I need to get way more active on YouTube. Um, And today, today, with our guest, we're going to be learning her personal story of weight loss, how she healed herself from chronic disease, why diets don't work, and four factors to succeed in lasting weight loss, and also how our hormones really play a role in that weight loss. So, so glad to have um, Kieran Dunstan. Dr. Kieran Dunstan, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Amy. So glad to be here. You bet. So you have quite a story that, um, I mean, there's so much that you have done. And I I have to assume that this uh, weight loss was fairly recent for you. Actually, it was about 10 years ago. I I was mainstream OBGYN and I discovered functional medicine in 2008. And when I learned about it through a series of really miraculous events, I thought, wow, if this is really the correct way to address health, then I'm going to use it and see if it'll help me get healthy. I had given up on losing the weight because I had tried everything mainstream to try to lose weight. And so I said, I just want to be healthy because I had all kinds of health problems as well. And I said, I'm just going to use functional medicine, try to address the root causes, get myself healthy. And then in lo and behold, I started losing weight because when you fix health, 
Right. The weight follows. The weight is just a symptom. Um, so I lost the weight um, from 2008 to 2010, and it's now 2020. So it's been 10 years since wow. I. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's amazing. I find it really interesting. Um, I've had many, many um, doctors on the show that they were conventional, we'll say, you know, doctors that switched over to functional medicine because they really wanted to start treating the person on the whole route, you know, get to the whole person and the root cause. But I've also heard so many stories of conventional doctors who their own personal health was just a mess. Um, and, and do you believe that part of that was the lifestyle that so many doctors live, um, you know, in that, that grind that you're in day in, day out with, with the demands on, on your, on your body, on your mind? Yeah, absolutely. And particularly being an OBGYN, the sleep disruption, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, and so the constant interruption of sleep and the stress levels uh, with a baby getting ready to be born, it's it's like landing an airplane. Um, and so there are so many things that can go wrong and it's such a litigious society. So you're always, it's, it's a stressful event every single time. And then also I did a lot of surgery. So I'm holding women's lives in my hand while I take their uterus out or do a laparoscopy and take an ovary out or do a laser or whatever. So high, extremely high stress level and extreme sleep disruption. The combination of the two uh, does make for a disordered cortisol, which is one of the main hormones that's a determinant of your weight, your sleep-wake cycle, your energy, your immune system function, whether you get sick or not, whether you get a viral infection or not, whether you get cancer or not. And so, you know, as a traditionally trained physician, we basically almost never checked anyone's cortisol unless we thought they had a disease or disease and they had adding Addison's or Cushing's disease. So they'd be in the top or bottom 2.5 to 5%. So you almost never checked a cortisol. But then when I learned about functional medicine and I checked my cortisol the proper way and saliva four times a day, I had a flat line. Well, there's this huge, uh, variation in cortisols. And so, yes, absolutely, my lifestyle contributed, but mainstream evaluations failed to detect the problem because they totally ignore that part of a person's health. So, yes, absolutely, it contributed. Uh, so you said so much in just that one little segment, I mean, that we could so take, um, so cortisol is a hormone and it's kind of our fight or flight, uh, response is it our, our, when, um, you know, when our cortisol levels are high, our body is engaged in that kind of fight or flight symptom, isn't it? Right. So cortisol, um, it, it's about your fight, flight, but it's how your body handles any stress. So mm-hmm. when most of us think of stress, we think of psychosocial stressors, right? Stressful jobs, relationships, um, whatever that's going on in our life, but your body perceives other stressors that we you don't perceive. So one is blood sugar stress. If your blood sugar is highly variable and going up and down on what I call the blood sugar roller coaster, 
that is a stress to your cortisol. And if you have chemical stressors in your body, like toxins, (laughs) your body perceives that as a threat. Or if you have um, bacterial or viral or parasitic, so you can have microbial threats also, and your body perceives those as threats. So all of these things can cause your cortisol to go up and cortisol is made in your adrenal glands that sit back on top of your kidney. You cannot live without your adrenal glands. You cannot live without cortisol. And yet, anybody listening, when's the last time your doctor talked to you about your cortisol? Hmm, probably yeah. never right. <laughs> for most people. Right. Um, but it really is the center of your health. Like we said, it's it's the center of your weight. And if you have a weight problem, especially if you have that tire around the middle, most likely you have a cortisol problem. It's to do with your energy. Um, it tells all your cells how to handle stressors. And it's very involved with your sympathetic nervous system, which is the ner- part of your autonomic nervous system that you don't think about. Right. That raises blood pressure, respiratory rate, and sends blood from central organs where you're digesting and healing yourself to your arms and legs, to the periphery, so you can run fast and be strong, what I call the Hulk nervous system. And so you end up being in this cortisol, adrenaline outflow um, that really is not nourishing of health. And Cortisol is, yes, it is that um, fight or flight part of your hormonal system. And it's also catabolic. So it's breaking things down. So you don't want to stay in that all the time. So then when you're, because you're talking about the adrenal gland right along with the, with the cortisol. Uh, So would you say, because what I'm seeing and hearing from you is is perhaps a lot of women who are maybe um, diagnosed with adrenal fatigue really might have an issue with their cortisol levels or or do they tie in together? Yeah, so adrenal fatigue means a cortisol disruption, and typically it's a stage three adrenal. So initially in response to stressors, your body will raise cortisol levels up, and then in that stage one and in stage two, they become disordered. So you're supposed to be high in the morning and low at night, but that might start reversing, and you might be low in the morning and not want to get out of bed, right? Keep hitting the snooze button and high at night when you want to go to sleep, you lay down and you're wide awake. That's stage two. And then stage three is that final stage where you're just kind of this flat line like I was. And that's what most people mean when they say adrenal fatigue, although all of those stages could be referred to as some form of adrenal fatigue. Your adrenals are really having trouble, but the ultimate is where you're just that flat line. That flat line. That's very Mm -hmm. interesting. And I really like how you tied in that, you know, because I think of stress as that mental stress, right? Those, whether it's internal stressors or external stressors that are happening, but there's all kinds of stressors that are happening that our body is perceiving. So I really appreciate you talking to the audience in that way because the chemicals that are in our home are actually causing more damage than what I'm even believing is happening because of the way our body perceives that as a threat, you know, to, to itself, that is a stressor. And that can also raise those cortisol levels, correct? 
Absolutely. Um, environmental chemicals are huge. Um, after my long journey and losing all that weight and getting optimally healthy, I actually was made sick by a building um, from environmental chemicals, from VOCs, from off-gassing, from a polished concrete floor and cabinetry and woodwork and formaldehyde and all the chemicals that are used in construction. Right. Um, and within a week of moving into this newly built out space became extremely ill. Um, and yes, your body registers that whether I knew I was sick from the building, I was having all kinds of symptoms, but it can be so subtle that you don't even register it. And, you know, we're inundated, Amy, as you know, right. with toxic chemicals from construction when we move into a new place, from our our um, materials like carpeting and paint mm -hmm. uh, and furnishings that have off-gassing, um, not to mention the cleanup products that we use, cosmetics, toiletries. I mean, we're just inundated in chemicals. Right. And our, we may not really notice anything. Maybe we feel a little tired and we don't really associate it with any one thing. Oh, when I put on that lipstick, right. I'm really tired, right? <laughs> you don't get that. <laughs> you don't get that because it's My so <laughs> many... It's so many low-level niggling things that add up and your body responds to total toxic threshold. And so maybe, you know, you, you gain a few pounds and you're weighing 50 pounds overweight and you just can't lose it. And you blame yourself thinking, oh, I haven't worked out enough and, and I, I've eaten too much. When really the truth is that it's just the accumulation of these toxins are causing you to, be, to gain more weight and right. not be able to lose it. But yes, your cortisol is always vigilant along with it's hooked LinkedIn directly with your immune system. Right. Um, and so it's always vigilant about what's going on in the body that, that could be a potential threat. And right. we need to be on high alert about it. Right. Well, and I like how you said, because I think um, for me, when I started this journey seven years ago, um, I did not realize how poorly I felt. I really didn't. You know, at the time I was a half marathon runner. There were a lot of things I was doing physically to be in good health, but yet I, I wasn't. You know, there were many other issues. I had a lot of chronic disease as well. And it wasn't until I started to heal the body that I realized how poorly I felt it, you, you know, you don't get it till you get on the other side. And I think our bodies, like you said, this happens slowly. It's one product, one thing after another, and our bodies just adapt to how we're feeling. And it happens so slowly for so many people that we just don't realize the effect the overall effect it's having on us. But I love how you talked about I tried to diet, tried to diet, tried to lose weight. It was it was when you decided, I want to be healthy. So it wasn't a choice that I want to lose weight. I want to be healthy. And the weight came as a side effect. So what did you decide? What did that mean to you? I want to be healthy. 
Right. So I just said when I discovered functional medicine in 2008, I had, like I said, tried all the thermodynamic ways of losing weight. That means eat less and exercise more and they don't work. Um, They only have a 6% success rate at two years um, because they treat the body like it's a bank account and the body is a complex biochemical equation. And so I had given up on that. and, And really, you know, I find with all the hundreds of women, I've worked with one-on-one and in my group programs, no matter what other health problems we have, high blood pressure, diabetes, autoimmune disease, medications we're on, the main symptom we women want to get rid of is we want to lose the weight more than anything, right? Exactly. And I... I would, that was true for me because I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and I had depression and anxiety and my hair was falling out, but what did I want? I wanted to lose some weight. Um, And so it wasn't until all of that failure that I finally gave in and said, okay, forget the weight. I just want to feel better and be better. And I let go of that kind of vanity of losing the weight. And then I discovered functional medicine. And I, when I picked it up, my intention was not to lose the weight. It was, I just want to get healthy. I see that this is going to look at the root causes. It's going to look at my hormones, look at my toxicity. We're going to fix it at the root cause level. And I finally, you know, and that's why a lot of doctors don't know about functional medicine or don't practice it because they think they know everything, right? And as a board certified OBGYN, I was told, you know more about women's health than anybody else. So I started thinking if I can't lose weight and figure out what's wrong with my health, then nobody can. But I became open to learn new things when I had that humility of failure so many times. So when I picked it up, I said, I just want to get healthy. Let me use these tests and see what hormone imbalances I have. And that's what really started me on this journey because even though I had checked my thyroid at least 10 times, Amy, and it was quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. when I did the right test, and I read them the right way, I discovered I was hypothyroid, even though mainstream medicine tests said that I did not have a thyroid disease. I may not have had a disease, but I had lack of optimal thyroid function, which makes me feel the same. Tired, gain weight, constipated, hair falling out, can't think properly, depressed, anxious, right? Mainstream medicine, you don't have a thyroid disease. Functional medicine, you have you are hypothyroid, you are not optimized. So when I optimized it, oh my gosh, it's like somebody turned on the lights. Right. And right. and I started feeling better. So it was by giving up the weight issue. And that's when I work with women and I talk about this in my book and in my my group program, it's um you you give up going for the weight loss and you go for health and the weight takes care of itself. Right, right. I like how you've you've made note a couple of different times in the interview so far of, you know, the proper testing. And can you talk to our audience, because I've heard this from more than one person, that the the ranges that our traditional medicine use, even there's some fallacy in the ranges that are used. Um, You know, in some of our testing, there's such broad spectrum that that even though you fall within the normal, is that a normal for you um, specifically? So can you talk to and give us some, you know, some education on that so at least we have some knowledge when if we're going to a traditional doctor, you know, we have some things that we can ask. 
Sure. So the lab defines normal or values or reference ranges by what 95% of the population has. So in America, they'll look at, um, you know, what's a normal hemoglobin. They'll take it from everyone and then they take the two standard deviations, two to 2.5 standard deviations from the mean of the belt, where that bell curve is. Everybody think back to your science. Um, <laughs> and, and all those people are considered normal, right? right? So when you get your blood drawn, they compare you to what's quote unquote normal for 95% of the population. The problem is that we are not optimally healthy. 60% of us are overweight or obese in America. Mm -hmm. So we do not have optimal lab values. Just because someone says you're normal, you're normal for an obese or overweight person. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be compared to overweight and obese people. I want to be compared to people who are optimally healthy. So for instance, with thyroid, in mainstream medicine and allopathic medicine, our main concern, well, my main concern used to be, it's not anymore, but the main concern is do you have a disease or not? And so for thyroid, they use the TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone that the brain makes to tell the thyroid, which is in the neck, to function. So when function is low in the neck, the thyroid, the brain starts raising levels of THS, TSH to raise tell the thyroid to function more. And so the screening test for thyroid dysfunction is a TSH level. Well, you're not considered to have a disease until your TSH, depending on the lab, is somewhere around 4.5 to 5. So normal, optimal being 1 to 2. But it you won't be considered abnormal until you get 4.5 to 5.5. And then they'll say, oh, you have hypothyroidism, you have a disease, you need a medication. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in functional medicine, we look for optimal values. So we know that your TSH should be within one to two. If you're functioning in that sweet spot, like when you were 20 and at your healthiest or whatever age was your healthiest, for an optimally healthy person, that's where your TSH should be. Um, and I really have yet to see a woman who was having a weight problem, an energy problem, and all the symptoms that I was having, um, who didn't have a suboptimal TSH. And they say, oh, my doctor checked my thyroid. They told me it's normal. Mm -hmm. And this is why I love to explain to people normal is not optimal. So there's a big difference. And then also with thyroid, you could actually have an, a normal TSH, the hormone your brain makes, but if you actually check the hormones free and total fractions that your thyroid's making that are inactive or what they have to be converted into T3 to be used by cells, then you also may get a better reading. So we do eight different parameters that we check in functional medicine on a thyroid to see if it's optimal. So normal is, is not desirable if you want to be your most vital and alive and have brilliant health. Gotcha. It's what it's just what you do if you're in the mainstream medicine and you're going to get a disease and then they're going to control the disease for the rest of your life and tell you you're going to have diabetes for the rest of your life. You know, it's a different standard of care. Right. And I like that. And, and you just kind of answered my next question was going to be so, you know, you were, you know, traditional medicine, you are now functional medicine and you made the, the switch. Um, why? What what made the shift for you? 
Well, first, the shift in my own health. I had already become somewhat disillusioned with mainstream medicine as I was practicing it because not only was my health suffering and I couldn't figure out what was wrong, yet I was supposed to know more about women's health than anyone else, but I noticed that all of my patients who were middle-aged women with the same issues I was having... Mm -hmm. um, even though I would give them various prescriptions for birth control pills, sleeping pills, antidepressants, so symptomatic treatment, band-aids with pharmacologic manipulation, they never really had vitality. They never came back and said, oh my gosh, I feel better than I felt my whole life, right? Better than when I was 20. But when I discovered functional medicine, I people stopped recognizing me. They'd see me at the mall. I'd say, hey, and they they wouldn't really look at me. And then they'd get 20 feet past me and they'd turn around and go, Kieran, oh my God, is that you? Like, I didn't even recognize you because I looked 20 years younger. So I really achieved better health than I probably had when I was 20. And then when I started doing, because my patients said, we want that because you look amazing. Yeah. And I started doing it with them and they got the same results. And people were coming back and saying, oh my God, gosh, I haven't felt this good since I was a teenager. Um, and so the difference between moderation and control of disease and the creation of true health and vitality, what I call brilliant health, the discrepancy is huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're always talking about increasing lifespan. But the truth is, if we don't increase our, increase our health span. If we don't increase the level of our vitality within that lifespan, does it really matter how long we live? You know, if we're bound to our home because we're disabled because of all the diseases we have and we're on five or more prescription medications and we live to 140, well, who cares? You know, <laughs> because right. you can't enjoy your life. So functional medicine is all about creating the most vitality that you can have and also preventing the downward slide that we've come to accept as being a normal part of aging, which, hello, does not have to happen. <laughs> I, I just spent uh, eight weeks with my parents. Uh, my mom had a, a kidney transplant surgery, and they don't listen to my podcast so I can talk <laughs> freely with them. But my dad, he, he is so anti what I do. And he was talking about, he was setting all their pills up. You know, now mom has a slew of medications she's on because she has to do the anti-rejection and then take everything that she needs for the body to stay healthy while her immune system has been wiped away. But then dad's got this whole slate of pills as well. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dad, I, you know, it just makes my heart sad that you have to have all these pills that you're on. And he looks at me and he says to me, well, everybody does, Amy, you know, you're over 50 now. I'm surprised you're not on a bunch of medications already. That's just the, that's normal aging. And I'm like, no, dad, it's not, that is not normal aging. And he's just like, well, yes, it is. You know, I mean, he's not going to listen. Right. But that's so that's a mindset out there that once you reach a certain age, you're going to be put on medications, period. Did you know that many of us have symptoms of toxin overload in our bodies, but we don't even know it? Signs of a toxic overload could be headaches, fatigue, insomnia, skin issues like acne and psoriasis and hormonal imbalances. And the list just keeps on going. 
But the problem I had, and I'm sure many of you have had, is how can you know how well you're managing your toxic risk? That's why I've put together a free toxic risk assessment that will help you discover what products might be contributing to your toxic symptoms and what small changes you can make to detox and cleanse your health. After you take the assessment, you're going to get my free toxic free home shopping guide. This is the easy button for finding the right products to shop for. These are the products I've been using in my home and the products I give my stamp of approval on. Take your free assessment now at amycarlson.com to get on the path of detoxing and cleansing your health. Yeah, it, you know, really over the past um, few hundred years, our, our medical system has really changed. And, and we've been socialized to believe that as we age, we're going to deteriorate medically, we're going to lose our sex drive, we're going to gain weight, lose our hair. It's just how it is that we're going to be on prescription medications. And, you know, we have stopped questioning is is that right? And is that the truth? And so functional medicine is all about, uh, no, that's not right. And it's not the truth. It's just a lie that we've systematically come to believe. And we've created entire industry, our health industry around that. Right. Um, and, and no more as physicians, and I don't blame physicians because I did it too, because that's what I was taught. Right. Um, but we stop really asking, um, is this in the best interest? And, and entertaining all forms of treatment like that what we eat matters, you know, because big pharma, big food, big insurance are all so tied up together in this profit-making system that profits on people being diseased. Um, you know, nobody's really willing to say, or people in power aren't really willing to say because they have huge lobbying groups. The emperor has no clothes and it's costing us our health and our, and our, you know, our vitality and something needs to be done. And so we've all been socialized into this and we feed into it and we believe it and we, our insurance should cover us to be healthy. Yeah, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Drugs should make us healthy. No. Um, the food we're eating should make us healthy. No. And so none of this is is really ultimately for our our ultimate well-being. Um, and so it requires the whole system to be rethought. And so the people, like you mentioned earlier, Amy, most of the doctors, practitioners who practice this type of medicine, they had some health challenge that wasn't uh, fixed by mainstream medicine. So they sought elsewhere and discovered functional medicine. They became open to learning something new like I was. Um, and so people who realize that there's another standard that they can adopt to actually heal, get off prescription medications, reverse diabetes, high blood pressure, all kinds of things, then they opt out of that system, the big pharma food insurance complex. Right. And I, I see it more and, you know, cause of the space I'm in, I'm seeing it more and more and more. And, and, and that makes me so happy. And I, you know, I hope that more people are willing to go to. So audience, if you have issues with, you know, 
uh, fatigue and lack of energy and you're losing your hair and you've got cellulite building up on your body and you're and you're gaining weight, you'll look up Dr. Dunstan, you know, who is a functional medicine doctor who is going to work with you to really get to the root of the issue and solve the problem and not just slap a Band-Aid on it with a, with a pill. I, you know, I, that makes me so angry because it's not the answer. And I love the functional medicine space. Um, I, I just heard, uh, somebody for the first time call it that, you know, this is the anti-aging space because it is, (laughs) it is like you said, you walked in the, the mall or the shopping center and, and people didn't recognize you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and if people could, and we'll take clips out of this, that, you know, you need to see Dr. Um, Dunstan, she is just vibrant and I don't know your age, but I can tell skin wise, she's very, very healthy from the inside out. Yeah, that's how it occurs from the inside out. And if you go for the health, the, the weight takes care of itself and pretty much everything improves. Yeah. So did you start dealing with hormones first? Was that kind of for you? You know, I need to dig into these hormones because I think, I think hormones need to be balanced out all our, our years. It's not just when we get into that menopause age or childbearing age, it's, it's, you know, all times, right? Was that kind of the- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because so many women suffer with PCOS or infertility, so hormonal imbalances can start early. Um, and yes, that is where I started. Um, I started uh, by looking at my hormones. My I learned about salivary cortisol testing, as we discussed. I did the right thyroid test. Mm-hmm. I looked at my sex hormones, and I was progesterone deficient, thyroid deficient, um, and a testosterone deficient, DHEA, cortisol. So these are all some of the main metabolic drivers that determine how all of your cells work. So I started um, working with botanicals, vitamins and minerals, and other nutrients to help balance those out. And I immediately started no- noticing a different with difference within a few weeks. Wow. And then I would I would go to a conference. I would learn about some new tests. So next, I learned about toxicity and inflammation, and and the central role that gut health plays in mm-hmm. um, in creating overall health. And I had had irritable bowel for decades, right? I but I didn't know that had anything to do with my hormones or anything else or my weight. Oh, no one ever told me. Oh, your gut has everything to do with your weight. So I started, did functional stool testing and I did food sensitivity testing and discovered that I had leaky gut and I was sensitive to at least 40 foods, highly sensitive. So I removed those from my diet and did a gut rehab program and my gut started being better and I had excuse me, no irritable bowel symptoms anymore, <laughs> and which is one of my pet peeves. Uh, why do we have a diagnosis that's not a diagnosis? It's just a symptom. And so, you know, in mainstream medicine, we tell people, they come to us and say, hey, doc, my gut's really irritable. You know, depending on what I eat, I may be gassy or bloated or have diarrhea or constipation. And we go, you've got irritable bowel. <laughs> well, and I'm like, why is that a diagnosis? 
heard something, I, and I'll probably think of it later in the in the podcast. There, I, I was a commercial on TV, of course, a prescription, you know, medication, but the, it, it was another label for another symptom, right? I'm like, they're just calling, you know, a symptom a disease now. They're just giving it a name and calling it a disease. That's crazy. <laughs> Well, it's the same like fibromyalgia. That's a kind of nonsense diagnosis. All it means is pain in the body. Um, And and so these diagnoses basically, because mainstream medicine, they want to put a disease diagnosis and then they want to put a drug to it and keep you on that drug. And they're not concerned with why do you have that? Why do you have pain in your body? There's always a reason. Right. Um, (laughs) And so with functional medicine, we get at the why. And for me, those four categories I always look under are hormone imbalance. And so we talked about the seven kind of main metabolic drivers that we look at. Then the next is inflammation, which is toxicity. And that includes the chemical toxins we've talked about. Mm -hmm. It could be microbial or infectious toxicity. And then um, a lot of it comes from the gastrointestinal tract. So we look at that. Then the next is micronutrient insufficiency. So 70% of Americans are insufficient in one or more micronutrients that their cells need to function, whether it's B vitamins or magnesium. Many of us are magnesium deficient or D or A or so many things. And then the next is the energetic component of health, those intangibles, right? The thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and connection to something greater than us. Those things you can't find or locate anywhere in the body because they're energy. Emotion is energy in motion. So they exist as this kind of cloud that you can measure outside of you with electromagnetic frequencies. You can photograph it with things like Kirlian photography. You can access it with things like acupuncture and other energy modalities. And so that's a key part of what needs to be done to assess and heal the body as well. But looking at those four categories, figuring out the different pieces to the puzzle and then addressing them. So the next for me was the gut and the toxicity. And and that was huge because when I really started stopping toxicity from coming in, whether it was foods I was eating that I was sensitive to or chemicals from deodorant and all the myriad scented crap I used (laughs) in my house, right? Got rid of all of it you know, and then started divesting it with sauna and IVs and colonics and all that. And, and uh, yeah, this is, this is the way to do it. I love it. And, and the vitality is just, it's so worth it when we start removing those things um, out of our life. So you talked about energy. Um, I went to a, a class Somebody was teaching about thermography and how thermography, um, they read, it's like body heat. So it's it's sensing, you know, when your body is really going after a particular area, you know, of, of the body. Is that something that you guys utilize in functional medicine or um, or not? Yes, absolutely. So thermography um, looks at heat in the body and wherever there's increased vascularity or blood vessels, you're going to have increased heat because there's increased blood flow. So all cancers have an increased blood flow. And in fact, before there's a tumor that's 
diagnosable on standard imaging like mammography, Mm -hmm. um, there has to be an increase in vascularity and blood flow. So one of the first things that tumor cells do is they put out chemicals to, to lay down the roads for their blood supply because they need a huge blood supply to uh, nurture their unbridled growth as cancers. So you're going to have increased blood flow five, 10, or however many years before you get an appreciable tumor of a few millimeters to see on mammography. So thermography will detect that by looking for heat signatures um, that are characteristic of what they call neovascularization, new vascularity in the breast. Now, it is not a substitute for mammography. I do need to say that. It's not an approved substitute. I will say that. So there still is a recommendation um, that you get uh, your mammogram as per your physician's recommendation. Um, You know, mammography does have a certain, they have to decide where the sensitivity and specificity of tests will be set. And sensitivity is how many people who actually have a breast cancer will be detected with mammography. And sensitivity is how many people who don't have breast cancer will have a negative mammogram. And so you have to set the value so that you want to detect as many people as possible, but you don't want people who don't have breast cancer getting biopsies. And so they have to decide where that goes. And unfortunately with mammograms, there is sometimes a high false positive rate, meaning you don't have a problem, but you end up getting biopsies. Right. Um, And it still does miss people. So there's a significant false negative rate. But thermography can be used as an adjunct to uh, mammography. Um, And there's some other uh, modalities that can be used, imaging uh, modalities with mammography. Um, But I do think this is something you need to have a discussion with your personal provider to decide. I do not like to make blanket recommendations about this, but right. yes, we use it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the, in the, the workshop that I went to where ta- they were talking about, it, cause it was somebody who, who does thermography, you know, imaging. And they, they said that, you know, just like you said, this is not in replacement of, and in fact, if they see something, you know, going on and it's read by a doctor outside of their, you know, facility, then further testing is, is usually, you know, recommended. So then you go on to, you know, have additional testing to kind of verify what they're seeing within that thermog, uh, you know, that imaging that they've taken. But I, I loved that it was another option for us that is detecting things far before um, we can physically see it with it with the um, thermography imaging or feel it. You know, if we're doing our own absolutely you know, self examinations, you know, being able uh-huh. to feel that. Uh, as well yeah. as I, I sit here and touch my back. <laughs> <laughs> right, as we do our breast self-exams, right? <laughs> I love that. Okay, so we talked about hormone levels, um, inflammation and toxicity. Um, then the, the other one was the micronutrients. You talked about, um, you know, you found foods that you were sensitive to uh, and, and actually your body found to be toxic. So you remove those out of your diet. Once you got your body back into balance, is that something you were able to reintroduce back in? Or is it something that your body just says, nope, we, we really just don't like mm-hmm. this? 
Well, most of the foods I was able to reintroduce, some of them not. Like gluten and cow's milk dairy, my body does not like them. Um, and so I just don't consume them. Um, but for instance, peaches, I was highly sensitive to, one of my favorite foods. I can eat those not every day, but sometimes I can eat them. But most of the other foods, sesame, um, I mean, there were just some bizarre things on my <laughs> list um, I can eat. Um, on a regular basis now. And that's true for most people. Your food sensitivities aren't necessarily genetically determined for life. Right. Um, sometimes they can be, but not, not most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Now, my question for you, um, and I want to hear what your answer is. You say you have a gluten sensitivity. Do you really believe that that is, um, it is, you know, the gluten, or do you think that it's because of the pesticides that are used on our, our, you know, farming products and the fact that our wheat today is far different than the wheat that we used to get? Or do you think that it is really, truly, you know, gluten is just bad or, or does it make sense? Well, for me... Um, so yeah, there are different ways you can be sensitive and or allergic to gluten, for instance. Mm -hmm. So gluten is a protein that's expressed on, on wheat, for instance. It's also expressed in other grains. Um, and I have a, actually a certain genetic predisposition. There's something called a DQ2 or 8. And if you have, um, or if you're positive for one of those, you're more likely to have a gluten sensitivity and or celiac disease. I don't have celiac. But I do have one of those positive, which increases my risk for having a gluten sensitivity. I've actually tested positive for a sensitivity to gluten on um, lab testing. Okay. So I don't think it's just the glyphosate for as far as I'm concerned. So even if I eat organic, it doesn't matter. But the, the problem for everybody is that, yes, like you mentioned, Amy, our wheat has been genetically modified to have a higher density of gluten um, per wheat plant or molecule. And so to, to increase its hardiness in terms of growing and they can grow it faster in a smaller surface area of farm. And so they can get a, a bigger yield for the crop. And so the gluten, you know, I like people to understand this because I think knowledge is power. What they have to understand is any grain is a seed that a plant is trying to use to reproduce itself and propagate its species, right? right. So the, how they do it out in the wild is animals eat those seeds and then go poop somewhere else and deposit the seed and it plants. Well, they have to make the seed, the plant has to make it as difficult to digest as possible, so resistant to digestion. And so the gluten is part of what confers that on the wheat berry. Um, and so when we eat it, it's difficult to digest. It has a higher gluten concentration, more inflammation for our body, and it's trying to break it down and it can't, or it has difficulty. So for all these reasons, it, you know, it makes sense that it's resistant to humans eating it. <laughs> well, um, yeah. And what a great explanation. I, I like how you talked about, you know, the resistance to, you know, to breaking down. So, you know, this is how it is. So that is a great um, way to, to introduce it. I saw a study done once or a video. It wasn't a study. Please you know, take that off the table where they took ancient wheat 
and then current wheat and they they wet they wet it down so somehow in wetting it down they're able to break it down and get to the gluten and gluten is like a really sticky glob is what you're in you end up with and in our current wheat it was like this huge glob they got and ancient wheat is like hardly anything there at all (laughs) you know just I love that yeah it gave gave that real visual of oh my word you know what what's happening to our products today and that I talk a lot about is we just don't get what we need um, you know from our from our food source anymore yeah, it's very challenging. And, and I have heard that um, in Europe, there are places that still use ancient grains and they don't use glyphosate. And then I, I know some people who can consume wheat from those areas. I haven't tried it. I just generally stay away from it. Sure. Um, but it makes sense that yeah. they could tolerate it. Yeah, I would say that probably the cow's milk, you know, is a lot the same. You know, our cows are raised with hormones and antibiotics, and then the the milk is highly pasteurized and processed. And, you know, all of that nutrient factor is gone, (laughs) you know, from the time that, you know, we get it, plus all the things that are added into it are just not good. So I, I love hearing your, your story too, because there's, there's certain foods I haven't tested necessarily for any of them other than some, some minimal testing, but like iceberg lettuce and romaine lettuce are an absolute taboo in my diet. They just, they, not only do they go straight through me, but it's, it's such a, um, volatile reaction that my body has that it's something that I won't ever try to put back in. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yes. It's like, that happens. no go on that one, you know? So I like that. Now, how can our audience get a hold of you? Because you are just a wealth of information. And I know you said you have some programs, some group programming that you do. Um, and, and you have, you know, some different things. So how, how can they best, best get a hold of you if they would like to work with you? Sure, they can get some more information on my website, which is kierandunstonmd.com, and I'll spell it because Kieran is spelled a little different. It's K-Y-R-I-N-D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D.com. All my social media handles are at Kieran Dunstan MD. Um, And then I also wanted to share a meditation for brilliant hormone balance um, with your audience that I created. It's a 20 minute guided meditation uh, that takes them through a relaxing um, kind of visualization that helps to heal and balance hormones. And I'll give you the link and you can share it uh, in your show notes. I love that. Thank you so much for that free gift. I am a huge proponent in meditation. I think it's absolutely fabulous. So this will be a wonderful gift for um, our audience to go check out. Um, As we're wrapping up, I want to leave it to you to, um, you know, are there things that you want to bring out that we haven't talked about necessarily? And what would you like to do or say to the audience to give this a final wrap up? I guess just as a final wrap up, wrap up, because you are the toxin terminator, is just to understand for everyone to really get the role of toxicity, environmental toxicity in your health problems, your weight problems, your diabetes, um, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So if you have um, diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever health problems you have, 
toxicity is a part of it. And so divesting yourself of those toxins and stopping new toxins from getting in is a central component of your healing Don't neglect that you got to balance your hormones, nutrify, get your nutrition right, and, and satisfy those micronutrient insufficiencies, and address your energetic self as well. But if you do all of that, there's really no reason that you can't get off prescription medications, lose the weight, increase your vitality, your sex drive, your aliveness, and, and have brilliant health. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I and I love how, you know, the so many of the things that we want and desire out of our overall health become side effects of just doing those four categories and getting uh, getting healthy from the inside out. Dr. K um, Karen Dunstan, I, I so appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, I know people can come work with you and, and really uh, get so much value out of what you have to offer. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me, Amy. It was really my pleasure to be here. You bet. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one -on -one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E Carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.